0: here at Wollongong Baptist Church. Um, I'm just going to get set up a little bit. So while I do turn to the person next to you, say hello and ask them this simple question. Have you ever um, posted on social media something and then said hashtag blessed? Have you ever posted on something on social media and then had it with hashtag blessed and then confess what that was? And I'll bring us back in a second. So have a chat to the person next to you. All righty. Well, hopefully, there weren't too many posts that you had to confess of, but anyway, we'll crack into it in a second. So, my name is Joel. Like I said before, uh, this term here at 6 p.m. Church, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Specifically, we've been looking at um, chapters 1 to chapters 12, uh, and in a series called The Roots of Redemption. The reason why it's called The Roots of Redemption is because this series is more like a thematic series where we look at the book of Genesis, but we also grab some themes and sort of see how they trace throughout the Bible. Now, The plan was for us to study Genesis 1 to Genesis 12, uh, but unfortunately my man, the other pastor Mark, got the man flu this week, Um, and so unfortunately what that means is we will skip Genesis 12 and instead I'm going to preach tonight on Genesis chapter 27. So if you're a bit confused, that's why, that's because Mark's sick, but he'll be here next week preaching to us from Genesis chapter 10 on a topic of nations Uh, But like it's already been said a few times tonight, we're looking at Genesis 27 and the theme of blessing. So before I kick into it, I'm going to pray. And so if you're the praying type, please bow your heads with me. Father God, we want to thank you so much for your word. As we come to it right now, Lord, we pray that you teach us. Lord, we pray that you change us. Lord, we pray that you reveal to us your son, Jesus, and Lord, that we may respond to him in worship and that we may seek to live for him and to be like him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, A quick thing, sorry, I forgot to mention as well, is on the slides there's a phone number. Uh, That's not to get some takeaway food, but instead, that's if you've got any questions about the sermon, please text them in and I'll answer them afterwards. So, hashtag blessed. It's one of the most popular hashtags on social media websites, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Instagram alone, there's been 54 million hashtag blessed posts. If you don't know what social media is, or hashtags, let me explain to you what it is. Hopefully most of you here would know. But anyway, if you don't know what it is, social media is basically an electronic platform where people communicate to one another by sending photos, messages, um, or uh, videos. And if you don't know what a hashtag is, it's basically a label that you attach to your social media posts that describes what your post is about. So for example, if we took a photo right now of me doing a selfie with you guys here at church... I might go hashtag Joel or hashtag WBC. You sort of get the point. Now, over the years, I think all of us have seen a few um, posts on social media with the hashtag bless. Maybe you've seen someone who got a, a new job and they're like, just got a new job, hashtag bless. Or someone's like, I just got hitched, hashtag bless. Or maybe I just ate a burrito, hashtag bless. You know, there's there's been quite a few over the years, and so much so that people have started to use the hashtag in a sarcastic and satirical way. Everyone, this is my son, Eli. (laughs) Hey, pal. That's okay. (laughs) Say bye, everyone. Say bye. Thanks for joining us, pal. Uh, This hashtag has been used so much over the years, but now it's started to be used, like I said, in a sarcastic or satirical way. So for example, the other day on Twitter, I read this post, someone said this, they said, just dropped my brand new toothbrush in the toilet. Hashtag bless. Now, personally, I think the popularity of this hashtag reveals a simple truth about humanity. And the simple truth is this, we all want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed. You see, the reason why hashtag curse is not so popular is because people want to be blessed. It's the truth. We all want to be blessed because we all want more things, don't we? You know, we all want more money or more success or more fame. But I think there's also a deeper reason as to why we desire blessing. You see, I think, yes, we desire the benefits of blessing. But even deeper than that, I think we desire to actually be special, to be worthy of such benefits of blessings. You see, I think all of us want to be seen as unique, as valuable, as precious. You know, sure, we want the benefits of blessing, but I think more importantly, we want to actually be unique and worthy of such blessings. And this desire for blessing is not a new desire, but a desire that humans have had for thousands of years. How do I know this? Well, because of 4,000-year-old family that fought over a famous blessing. The family of Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau. This famous family who lied, schemed, and deceived one another over what? Over a blessing. Specifically, the patriarchal blessing. Where the father says to his firstborn son, you are unique. You are special. You're going to carry on my family line. Today, we're going to have a look at this family And even though we might not desire the patriarchal blessing, each of us does desire to be special. Each of us does desire to be hashtag blessed, if you want to put it in those ways. And so for this reason, I think it's critical that we look at this family and we learn from this dysfunctional family who's split apart over blessing. And so tonight we're going to look at Genesis chapter 27. It's a story about blessing. And specifically, we're going to look at three things from this story. We're going to see three truths. About blessing. The first one's going to be the wrong way to get blessing. The second one is going to be the right way to get blessing. And the third one is going to be the right response to blessing. So three truths, the wrong way to get blessing, the right way, and the right response to blessing. So have, have your Bible. Keep it open at Genesis chapter 27. Um, now, before we do crack into that, though, it's important that I give us some context, especially because we've been in Genesis 1 to 11 for a while. So what's been happening up to Genesis chapter 27? Well, in Genesis 1-11, to humans choose to rebel against God, and as a result of that, there's been a downward spiral of evil and degradation. In Genesis 12, though, God came to one man. He came to Abraham, and he basically said to that one man, he said, look, Abraham, I'm going to save the world through you. I'm going to bless the earth through you. I'm going to create a new society through you and your offspring, He basically promised to Abraham that from his line, is going to become someone who will be the Messiah, who will bless all the peoples of the earth. But the thing is, is only one of Abraham's sons would carry on that line, that messianic seed, if you want to put it in those words. So in Genesis chapter 17, what do we see? We see that Abraham tells his second son, Isaac, that he has this special line, the messianic seed. Instead of Ishmael, his firstborn son. Now, what happens? Well, Isaac, he marries Rebekah, and then Rebekah gives birth to twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, whose name means deceiver, and Esau, Esau, whose name, get this, sounds like the word for hairy. You see, Esau grows up to be a hairy dude. He's a hunter. He's loved by his dad, while Jacob grows up to be a mummy's boy. You know, he stays at home, cooks with his mom, is bossed around by his mom, as we'll see in a second. Now, of all this in mind, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 27. We're going to go through this story, and we're going to learn about the first point, which is the wrong way to get blessing. Now, heads up, this first point is going to be a lot longer than the second and third, so don't freak out when we get to the second and third. So, let's look at Genesis chapter 27, and hopefully the um, verses will come up on the screen for you. So, let's have a look at Isaac, um, who my youngest son is named after, but not because of this story. But anyway, let's have a look at it. Okay, Genesis chapter 27, when Isaac was old, and he is old here, he's about 100 years old, so he's pretty old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, my son. Now, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, we learn that Isaac loves meat, and that Isaac loves Esau because he's a masculine dude who loves to cook a good barbecue. You see, like, if Esau lived today, he'd be a regular at the meadery, He'd be a volunteer for men's ministry, and he'd probably be best friends with Peter Reeve. He's a a masculine dude who loves meat, doesn't even know what salad is. But at the same time, he's also an ungodly dude, one who marries ungodly women. Despite this, though, Isaac loves Esau more than his younger son, Jacob, which is why he calls for Esau in this situation. And so Esau comes to him, and he says, here I am. And Isaac says in verse 2, now, he says, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now, Isaac thinks that he's near death. He's really not. He lives for at least another 20 years. But, you know, I think as some of us can some days feel, sometimes we feel like, you know, we're getting older. Maybe death is close by. He just had no idea, though. He's blind, though, so he's just a bit clueless. Anyway, he's not going to die. Death is close. So he calls his son. He calls Esau to him. And he says this, verse 3. He says, now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, And get out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like. He likes meat. And bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. In the 6th century, uh, during a plague epidemic, uh, Pope Gregory the Great gave this command to everyone. He said, anytime someone sneezes, um, you are to say to them the words, God bless you. And that was to protect them from the plague. Now, the Pope's command was more superstitious than it was biblical. But nevertheless, since then, today, when someone sneezes around you, you say, bless you. You just drop the God part. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, so that's what the sneezing blessing is about. But what is this blessing about? You know, like, is Esau going to come back with a nice meal, sneeze on it, and then Isaac's going to say, bless you? Well, no. You see, this blessing that Isaac is talking about is the patriarchal deathbed blessing. What's that? Well, it's a unique blessing that we don't do today. This blessing, you see, it's a prophetic promise that is reserved for the firstborn son. It's a prophetic promise that is said by the father and yet is honored by God. Now, here's the problem. Isaac and Esau are doing this in secret. And this event is supposed to be an open public event with the rest of the family. It's supposed to be done with celebration, you, know, you see, the reason why they're doing it in secret is because they're sinning. You see, Isaac, he loves Esau. And Rebecca, she loves Jacob. And so Isaac, he can't do this blessing for the whole family or there'd be chaos. But you know what? To top it off, in Genesis chapter 25, when these two sons were born, Isaac was told that he was to bless Jacob rather than to bless Esau. You see, Jacob was the one who was meant to continue on the family legacy. Yet In this moment, Isaac and Esau are sinning. And like I said, they're doing it in secret because there'd be chaos if they didn't. You see here, Isaac is a terrible husband as he keeps a secret from his wife. But he's also a terrible father who's leading his son into sin. In these four verses, we get introduced to the the, the drama of this story. And it sets up the tension for the rest of the narrative. So what happens? Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse 5. As we get introduced to Rebecca, that's Isaac's wife. And apparently she was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. For all we know, she could have just been right next to him and he's a blind fool and he didn't see her, but we're not too sure. But anyway, after Esau left, Rebecca turns to her son Jacob and starts bossing him around. It's almost like you can imagine her pointing her finger at a younger son. And she says in verse 8, get this, Now my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. She basically tells her son Look, your father is being sinful. He's trying to bless your older brother. Let's trick him and let's get him to bless you instead. Rebecca commands Jacob, who get this, he's probably around about fifty years old at the time, and to get he commands her, he commands, sorry, he commands him to go get some goats so she can cook a nice tasty dish that Jacob can take to Isaac. In response to this plan, how does Jacob respond? Well, he cowardly points out some of its flaws. See, Jacob says in verse 11, he says, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. Translation, my brother Esau is a wookie, and I have the face of a baby. And then Jacob says, what if my, brother, what if my father touches me? I'd be appeared to be tricking him. Like, don't you love this? Like, appear to be? The reason why you appear to be tricking him is because you are tricking him, Jacob. And then Jacob says, it, it, would, it would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Now, once again, translation, if Esau found out, my older brother Esau, he would beat me up. He, Jacob, doesn't man up. He doesn't say to his mom, mom, stop bossing me around. This plan is ungodly and sinful, just like dad's plan is sinful. But instead, he makes to his mom as a cow and he's like, mother, darling, like, like, how can we make this plan better so that I don't get in trouble? How can I sin but avoid the consequences? In response to this, what does is, what is his mom says? She says, my son, let the curse fall on me. And then get this, he says, just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Like, can you see how bossy and domineering, controlling his mother is? Just do what I say. In verses 14 to 17, we're told that Jacob is a good mama's boy and he does exactly what he's told to do. And then Rebecca gets some of Esau's clothes and dresses Isaac and covers him in goatskin. Now let's just stop there for a second. I want you to notice how active Rebecca is and how pathetic Jacob is in this story. Like he is a grown man and he's being dressed by his mom. Personally, I love my mom, but she'll never dress me again. I hope it's the same for you. Rebecca is a bad wife like Isaac was a bad husband she keeps secrets from her husband and she's a bad mother who bosses her son into sin this married couple should have been united rather than divided you know as parents they should have said to their kids where the parents do what God says instead they say I'm the parent do what I say and not necessarily what God says Now, look, this is not the main point of the story. But for those of us who are parents or who hope to be parents one day, this story teaches us a simple lesson. It reminds us that our job is to say to our children, follow me as I follow the Lord. Do what I say as I follow Jesus. Anyway, Rebecca told Jacob to follow him into sin. And that's what he did. Look at verse 18. Jacob went to his father and said, My father? Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? What we then see here is a series of lies from Jacob. Have a look. He says, And he said to his father, I am Esau, lie. Your firstborn, lie. I have done as you told me, lie. Please sit up and eat some of my game, lie, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asks his son, he's a bit confused, how did, you, how did you find it so quickly? Now, if you're not too sure, it takes longer to hunt game, to hunt an animal, to skin it, to prepare it, and then to cook it in comparison just to going out in the field, killing a goat and cooking it. And so that's why Jacob asked him, how did you do this so quickly? And then, and then look what Jacob says. He says, the Lord your God gave me success. Jacob's about to get caught by his father. And so in response, he uses Christian language to try and fool his father. And what is terrible about this is not only is he lying, but he's committing blasphemy. He is sinning and he's blaming it on God. Church, can I give us a warning from this passage? The warning is this. We can all do this. We can sin and then justify to, to people by saying things like, this is what the Lord wants. Oh, he's answered this prayer warning. Just because people use the right lingo doesn't mean that their hearts are in the right place or what they're doing is godly. Isaac is skeptical. for a good reason. And so he tests Jacob again in verse 21. He says to him, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Little did Isaac know that Jacob had fought through his sin and how not, how not to get caught. I wonder how often we do that. Anyway, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked? I am, he replied, lying to his dad. And he said, My son, bring me some of your games to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate it. And he brought some wine and he drank. Isaac is still skeptical. And so he asked his son to kiss him so that he can smell him. And so we see in verse 27, so he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him because he smelt like Esau. Here in this narrative, we see how Jacob lives up to his name of deceiver as he deceives his blind father to get the blessing that he desperately wanted. In verse 30, what do we see? Jacob leaves and Esau returns and and the the tension in the narrative builds once again. Like what's going to happen? Esau comes, he tells his father to sit up so that he can give him his dinner. And then Isaac says, "Who, who are you? And then Esau says, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau, telling the truth. And at this point in the story, the penny drops for Isaac. Look at verse 33. Isaac trembles violently. And says, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. And now he's taken my blessing. I think when we read this for the first time or maybe the 10th time, I think we can read this and go, man, poor Esau. Like, like someone needs to give that brother a hug. Like, you know, he's weeping and crying. It's like, this, like he's just being duped. Like we can feel sorry for this guy. But then we forget that Esau was a godless man. Later on in the book, book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 16, it says this. The author, he says... See that no one is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. You see, even though Esau is crying out loud, even though he's weeping uncontrollably, he is just as sinful as the rest of his family. You see, Esau says that Jacob took his blessing. But in reality, in Genesis 25, we see that Esau sold his birthright and he sold it for soup. Like Jacob doesn't necessarily take it from him and instead, like father, like son, Esau was hungry. And he was willing to give up his birthright for soup. To be honest, what Esau did was unbelievable. Like, it'd be similar to maybe you and I today. Say you owned a house, some of you do, many of you don't. But let's imagine you did own a house. And let's say a real estate agent came to you and said, Look, you could sell this for about half a million dollars. And you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. So, like, okay, let's do it, let's put it on the market. And then just imagine the first open home, the first person who walks through the door just comes up to you and he's like, I'll give you 15 bucks. And you're like, man, I can buy a Big Mac or a a large meal from Chico's or Macas of that. Done deal. Sure. Where's the contract? Let's sign this over. Like Esau was godless. He was a polygamist. He married godless women. He hated God and he was helping his dad to scheme against his family. Truth be told, Esau was dumb and he was crying because his brother came up with a smarter scheme. He wasn't crying over his sin, he was crying over the consequences of his sin. Church, can I give us another warning from this passage? Just because someone is crying in front of you doesn't always mean that they're the victim or it doesn't always mean that they're repentant. Esau is godless How do I know this? It's shown by how he wants to kill his own brother, just like Cain killed Abel. Esau is godless, but this is also shown by how bitter he is against his father, but then also how he goes and he marries ungodly women at the end of this story, just like we're told he did at the start of the story. And that's that's the end of this chapter, basically. This story, it, it ends in disaster. There's no happy ending. This is a story about consequences for sinful actions. As Isaac, sorry, as Jacob leaves Rebekah, his mum, who loves him dearly, who he'll never see again. In Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau, we see the wrong way to get blessing. And as the readers of this story, it's important that we learn from the characters of this story. Because for like I said earlier, we are like these characters, and that each of us desires blessing. All of us want to be unique, all of us want to be special, all of us want to be affirmed. We may not want this patriarchal blessing, but we do want to be blessed. So what can we learn from this family when it comes to blessing in regards to the wrong way to get blessing? Well, firstly, let's have a look at the parents together, Isaac and Rebecca. We learn that the wrong way to get blessing is to doubt God's word. I wonder if you notice, in Genesis 25:23, like I said before, these parents got told that serve—sorry, that the older will serve the younger, that Jacob is the one who is to be blessed. But instead of trusting in the word of God, Isaac ignores the word of God. And he decides that he knows what's best for him and his family. He decides that Esau is a better heir than Jacob. Isaac doesn't trust the word of God, but neither does his wife, Rebekah. Like sure, she remembered the Genesis 25 promise. She remembered that Jacob is the chosen seed. But when things got chaotic, she didn't trust God's word. When Isaac started sinning, she took matters into her own hands. Just like other women in the Bible before her, such as Sarah and Eve. For us who are Christians in this room, who love Jesus, and if we want to obtain the blessings of God, then we need to trust God's word. We need to trust God's word when it's asking us to do something difficult. And we need to trust God's word when there's chaos around us. We need not to take matters into our own hands. So, firstly, from Isaac and Rebecca, we learn that to doubt God's word is the wrong way to get blessing. What about Jacob? Well, let's secondly learn from him about the wrong way to get blessing, which is to pretend to be someone else. I wonder if you picked up on this. I wonder if you noticed this. You see, Jacob, he's a frightening picture of how we all try and gain blessings from other people. In our jobs, we can dress up to try and gain status. In relationships, we can try and pretend to be someone else to try and own the affection of someone that we like. Maybe in our own family, we try to pretend to be someone to please our parents. Maybe here even at church, we pretend to be some godly person so that people would look at us and go, whoa, and be impressed. The reality is we dress up as other people far too often. And what you see in this story is that Jacob couldn't get the blessings of his father by being himself. So he had to dress up as his older brother. And yet this blessing, it was so shallow and empty. And we know this because it wasn't satisfying for Jacob. Later on in the book of Genesis, in chapter thirty-two, Jacob famously wrestles with God and he doesn't let God go unless God will bless him. Church, if we want to obtain blessing, then we need to stop pretending. From Jacob, we learned that pretending to be someone else is the wrong way to get blessing when it comes before God. Thirdly, Esau. Well, in terms of the wrong way to get blessing, it's not to value blessing. You know, Esau sold his birthright for some soup. And this demonstrated how little he valued the patriarchal blessing. I think to translate it for us, I think Esau had a I want it now sort of attitude. He didn't trust in the blessings to come but instead he wanted the blessings now and he was willing to give up on greater blessings that were to come. If we want the blessings of God, we need to learn from Esau and know that there's better to come than materialistic blessings such as some soup, which is not that satisfying. So in this story, we'll learn our first truth, the wrong way to get blessing. But let's now have a look how this story tells us the right way to get blessing. Truth number two. Like I said, these next two points will be a lot quicker. So, You know what I find really interesting about this story is that this family is a mess. Like it's completely a dysfunctional family. Like the husband and wife are scheming against one another. The sons are trying to trick one another and then kill one another. And it's important we recognize this. Now why? Well, because all of us have a tendency to think that God blesses those who are obedient and that God curses those who are disobedient. And there's good reason why to think this because the Bible is full of stories where God says he'll bless those who, who follow him and are faithful and he'll curse those who are unfaithful. And there is some truth to this story, but I mean, that's, there's some truth to that statement. But in this story, we learn that it's a bit more complicated than that because what we see in this story is that God blesses the disobedient, that God blesses the undeserved Jacob, the deceiver, the liar. You see, what we learn from this story is that God is a God of grace as well of justice. You see, the point of this story is not so much how do we gain blessing, but instead this story is about how God graciously gives it to those who don't deserve it. This story is about how God brings his scandalous grace to ungrateful and undeserving people. In this story, Esau and Jacob are wicked, and they're undeserving of God's grace. And yet God graciously chooses to bless Jacob who he called jacob who says is the firstborn son now now maybe you're wondering how do we receive blessings similar to jacob that god gave to him how do we accept god's grace well what jacob said in here was wrong he said i am the firstborn the truth is jesus christ is the ultimate firstborn of all creation he's the firstborn of the dead the begotten one of the father and what this means is that Jesus has always been the firstborn and has always enjoyed the firstborn blessings for eternity. I still remember the day that my oldest Elijah was born, the run that came up on the stage before at Wollongong Hospital. I remember looking into his eyes, and they were black as anything. And I remember just looking into him and saying, I love you, little man. I love you, little man. The love that my son had, though, from me, there was only a taste, a smidgen of what Jesus had in terms of his love of his father. And you know what? Jesus, he gives that up when he comes to this earth. He gives up his firstborn blessing to go to the cross so he'd be a curse for us. You know what Rebecca said? She basically said this. She said, my son, let the curse fall on me so that you can receive the blessing. Jesus is the one that ultimately fulfills such words. Jesus, who loses his firstborn blessing by dressing up in clothes of sin and then taking the curse that we deserved, at the cross. Paul writes about this truth in the book of Galatians, and he says this will come up on the screen. He said, in Galatians three, verse thirteen to fourteen, he said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How incredible is that, that Jesus dresses up in our sin and takes the curse that we deserved. But more than that, church, he gives us his firstborn blessing. You see, not only did he take our filthy clothes of deception, but by faith in his sacrifice, we can receive his perfect clothes of righteousness. You see, church, God is a good God. And he is a God who blesses the obedient and curses the disobedient. But the thing is, is this. All of us are disobedient. All of us deserve to be cursed. And only Jesus is the obedient one who deserves to be blessed. The message of the gospel is that by faith in Jesus, that you may be blessed because of him rather than curse as you deserve. So that's point number two, the right way to get blessing, which is through faith in Jesus Christ, who was cursed so you may receive the firstborn blessing. What about the third truth? Well, the third truth is a bit more practical, the right way to respond to blessing. You know what's interesting about this story is that Isaac knew what God said. Like, like I said before, he knew that Esau was to serve his younger brother, and yet Isaac followed the world's way. He loved the stronger one rather than the weaker one. He loved the man's man rather than the boyish Jacob. And so he fought against God's plan. Up until, I reckon, verse 33. You see, in verse 33, when he realizes what's occurred, Isaac says this. He says, I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him when speaking to Esau. And then he says this. He says, and indeed, he will be blessed. You see, when Esau returns from hunting, a lot of us can think like, why didn't Isaac just take back the blessings? Why didn't he be like, ah, that was a mistake. All right, Esau, come here. Let me bless you. Well, I think the reason for that is this, is what we see here is that Isaac responds rightly to God's blessing. He realized what's occurred and he responds with faith. Instead of cursing God, instead of being mad at Rebekah or Jacob for how they treated him, he has faith in God's blessing. How do I know this? Once again, the book of Hebrews helps us understand the Old Testament. In Hebrews 11 verse 20, it says this, it says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. In contrast, how does Esau respond to God's blessing? He responds with hatred, with envy and malice. Instead of trusting God and having faith in his promises and plan, Esau plots to kill his brother and marries more ungodly women to grieve his parents. So how does this apply to us? Well, I think you can look at Esau and you can look at Isaac and you see how they respond to God's blessing. And then we can look at us and how do we respond to God's blessing in this life. Maybe not so much the blessing of salvation, but maybe other blessings that God gives us. I don't know about you, but every day I can come across people who I think maybe God has blessed more than he's blessed me. I come across people who are smarter than me, richer than me, more gifted than me, more capable than me, more likable, better looking than me. And I don't know about you, but when you come across those people, you have a choice. You have a choice to be bitter like Esau, or you have a a choice to have faith in God like Isaac and to be thankful for how he's blessed you. You see, we have a choice to be thankful for the ultimate blessings that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Church, it's imperative that we tune into and understand the firstborn blessings that we receive through Jesus in the book of Ephesians, Paul says this, in Ephesians 1 verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Because when we, when we come to understand how blessed we are through Jesus, then our hearts will be full. And we and will we want to bless other people rather than be envious of what they have when we understand that the blessings we have in Jesus and how one day we'll live for eternity with Him and how there is better to come, so much better to come than any blessings here on earth, then when we go through suffering, when we have debt or when death comes our way, we can trust in God, we can have faith in Him rather than be bitter or angry towards Him because He is a good God who has blessed us through His Son. Today, we've looked at Genesis chapter 27 and this chaotic family. And from this family, we've learned the wrong way to get blessing. We've seen the right way to get blessing and the right response to blessing and how God blesses others. As we leave here today, though, or tonight, what I don't want you to focus on is so much how do you get blessing, but how God gives his blessing to us through faith in his son. I want you to remember Jesus who let the curse of sin fall on him, so we may experience the blessing of God. So we may be unique, so we may be special, because when God looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus. May I pray to close? Father God, we are thankful for your son. Lord, the reality is all of us are sinful, like this chaotic family. All of us, Father, scheme and lie and deceive. All of us have, uh, have got hatred and bitterness. Yet yeah, the reality is, Lord, despite that, you still show scandalous grace to us and mercy to us through your Son. Lord, we thank you so much that we can be blessed through the obedient Jesus. Lord, I pray you help us to have faith in him. And Lord, I pray you help us to tune into the understanding of how we are blessed through him. So Lord, we may not crave the blessings of this world, but instead we may look to the blessings that are to come. We thank you so much for the blessing it is to be your son or to be your daughter. And Lord, I just pray you help us understand what that means. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.